welcome to the Starter Ripple podcast. I'm your host, India Pearson, and I believe ripples are made when we connect movement with nature, not only for our mind and body, but also the environment too. This podcast is a platform for me to chat with inspiring folk who feel the same and have some fascinating stories to tell from their experiences. I hope the conversations that come from this podcast will encourage you to get outside, move, dream big, and see what happens from the ripples you create. Time to introduce my guest. In May 2013, Jo Mosley found herself sobbing in the biscuit aisle of Tesco's, wondering as a 48-year-old single parent approaching menopause, how had life come to this? After support from a friend lending her a rowing machine, she started looking after her physical body and noticed an improvement in her mental well-being too. Deciding she needed to do things that gave her joy, Jo returned to the hills and sea which she'd loved as a child. And in 2016, she took her first paddleboarding lesson and a few years later became the first woman to sup the 162-mile-long Leeds-Liverpool Canal whilst litter-picking too and fundraising for surf therapy charity The Wave Project and Two Minute Foundation. Jo is now an advocate for the outdoors as a writer, speaker, filmmaker and more recently podcast host of the Joy of Sup podcast. She says, you are never too old to do something wild and it's never too late to make a difference. Hello, lovely Joe, and welcome to the Start a Ripple podcast. Thanks so much for having a chat with me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very, very honoured. Okay, so if we can start by looking back um, and if you can share, you know, a couple of the ripples that you've made in your life um, and how they've sort of brought you to where you are today. Um, so I... I'm from Yorkshire, born and bred. I grew up in the middle of the county, but we used to spend our holidays by the sea. I used to love playing on the beach, playing in the waves, did all that sort of stuff, but then kind of didn't do it for a long time in my teens. It, you know, sport wasn't something that seemed very enjoyable. Um, I learned to dive in my 20s, um, went kayaking in Alaska, lived in America, paddle, uh, not paddleboarded, um, went to Africa, did some diving in the Philippines, did lots of things and then um, and then got married and had babies and, and um, a couple of babies and a couple of miscarriages, then got divorced and all that time really just sort of devoted myself to my family and, and other things. And then um, after my divorce, um, sort of got a little bit more back into doing things for me, but it was really in about 2013 when I had a bit of a, a a rough patch and um, hit a bit of a rock bottom that that forced me to start looking after myself and realize that exercise helped me and then I started going back to the things that I did as a child so yeah and I love to dive into this subject a little bit further because I think it's one that a lot of listeners will be able to resonate with um, you know women in particular actually me included um, I know that I probably lost my inner child about the age of 17 I was really sporty as a kid. I loved running. I loved making dens. I loved getting my hands dirty, jumping in the waves, just like you said you did. And then I just lost it. You know, I guess at 17, I started to mould myself into what society wanted me to be instead of fueling my inner child. 
and and I say women in particular because there's a commercial that always bought out the brand always they bought it out a couple of years ago and it's it was called Like a Girl and it demonstrates this you know amazingly it asks a group of girls and women to run like a girl now girls under the age of 13 ish they see this as running with strength and power and girls and women over the age of 13 well they you know they run with weakness and being quite silly with it and this is exactly you know what i was saying about what society expects us to be when we use the word girl and i think that's really sad i think it's really sad um but you know over the last few years i've really started reconnecting with my inner child again and it's been life-changing and this is obviously something that you've done too. I know that on your website you say that you returned to the hills and sea, which you had loved as a child, bodyboarding, wild swimming and hiking. So, so for anybody listening right now who, who feel like they need to connect, reconnect with their inner child, do you have any advice to give them um, on how, you know, how to do this? I would say just think what brought you joy. Um, I read a quote a few years ago is, is find your joy and let it run your life. And for me, it was find your joy and just follow it. And really, that's all I did was where. Obviously, I'm I have huge joyful moments as a as a mum, as a daughter, as a sister, as a friend. They're hugely joyful, but they're in relation to other people. They're they're about that relationship. But I wanted to find places where I felt that joy when it was just me and nobody else, where it was me and I wasn't in relationship with anybody else. And um, and it was just noticing those moments where I felt fully in the moment, you know, fully engaged in what I was doing and the worries and stresses on my shoulders sort of fell away and notice them and then think, how can I? have more of them in my life as simple as that and then just keep taking the steps to create that and um little steps just to choose to do so for example I came back from work I knew somebody wanted to call me and part of me was like oh I'll just sit and wait and then part of me was like no I'm going to go for a walk um and she was like are you walking I was like yeah I'm sorry do you mind it was raining yeah it was windy we had our business conversation so to speak but I was walking and I came home and I'd done like 7,000 steps having this conversation um, and I felt better for it I felt more alive having the conversation and I suppose it's just making these tiny tweaks where instead of just when you're tired kind of coming in and sitting down maybe going for a walk maybe doing a, an online class but but really I think it's finding recognizing when you feel fully in the moment and your heart is feeling full and doing more of that in your life try a few things go back to what you did as a child a friend of mine she does ballet i see her doing it on instagram she's you know she's um an established author and she's got three children and she's busy 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 um but she does ballet now you know yeah. rem reminding herself what she did as a child so yeah i, I think sometimes we think we can't do these things because we're adults now, but I mean, who's telling us this? It's all in our own heads, isn't it? Um, and 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 so I know that on this journey into finding, you know, discovering, rediscovering your inner child, you also found something new, which was paddleboarding. Um, and this is obviously how we started to get to know each other too. So can you um, 
describe to us the, your first time on a paddleboard and how it made you feel. Absolutely. I remember, um, so I had injured my knee in the January of that year and um, and it, it had really got me down. I was in A, a lot of pain and B, I couldn't move. And I knew that movement helped my, so I was going through the menopause at the time and and movement really helped and I couldn't do that one thing. So it was the pain, it was the not being able to do it. I've never been about times or fitness levels or achievements. I've always been about feeling better, feeling well um, and enjoying it. And so I just wasn't able to do those things that helped me sleep, etc. And um, I'd always wanted to be a surfer, but I knew that surfing had a big learning curve and I never thought I was a surfer. <laughs> and having tried surfing, I know I'm not a surfer. Uh, I've, you know, I've done a bit and it was amazing, but it's, um, it's not really necessarily me. Um, but loved it as when I did do it. Um, and so I decided in the September 2016, as my knee was healing, to do a challenge where I would go outside every day for half an hour. And I called it Rain or Shine 30. So half an hour every day. And I started 1st of September because it was like going back to school. And I took my first paddleboard lesson on the 24th of September 2016. We went up to the Lake District. And I just remember the minute I stood up, thinking this is extraordinary. I love it. You know, this is amazing. And we were in the lakes and then we went down a little river and, and um, yeah, I just, there's a picture of me just smiling ear to ear. Just, I just remember thinking this is fantastic and I don't know how it's going to affect my life, but I know it's going to play a part somehow. Oh, and then how magical to have experienced that euphoric feeling, you know, I can totally relate to, to my first experience on a paddleboard I was just like oh my goodness I found my calling um and for you it's taken you on such a journey as well you then went on to paddle 162 miles coast to coast of the UK uh, for a challenge that you set yourself can you tell us a little bit more about this so having um done my first lesson in September 2016 I then decided about a month later, bizarrely, that I wanted to paddle coast to coast. I don't know why, but I told a few people and uh, sort of at Christmas parties and things. And the response was that um, maybe it was just too hard for someone like me. I was 51, 52, that it would be logistically quite difficult that um, and even somebody said they thought it might be quite boring. Um, and so I just put the dream away. Um, I wasn't particularly confident. I'm not a particularly confident person anyway, but I wasn't confident really then. And I put the dream away. But in the intervening period, um, quite a number of my girlfriends died. You know, and only one of them had reached 50. Uh, and that is a very sobering reminder of, you know, how short and precious life is. And then in the beginning of 2019, I realized that my youngest son would be going to university. And I realized that I would be an empty nester. But I didn't want to be kind of always on the phone to him saying, what are you doing? What are you having for your tea? I wanted a dream to pull me to the future. And so I just dusted off this dream I'd had three years previous and, um, and said, right, I'm going to I'm going to paddle coast to coast. And by this time, you're allowed to go through the tunnels. So there's two tunnels, there's Gano Tunnel and Four Ridge Tunnel. And in 2016, 17, I wouldn't have been allowed to go through the tunnels. Um, so, um, uh, by this time they were open to paddleboarders. So I think I was the first paddleboarding woman, first woman who's a paddleboarder to go through those two tunnels. 
and um, yeah, so I decided to do it. And in July 2019, I set off from Liverpool. That's amazing. And how long did it take you? Took me 11 days. Um, so that was my plan. Um, I was about three hours. I'd always intended to arrive in Ghoul about 11, 12 o'clock on the Tuesday, and I arrived about four, five o'clock. Um, so it didn't go to plan at first. I was behind schedule for most of it. <laughs> um, but in the end, it all came together and I arrived um, 11 days later. And you have a film coming up, coming out all about it. We do. We have a film called Brave Enough, um, A Journey Home to Joy. Um, and it's about the paddleboarding trip in its uh, adventure. And it's about the backstory of how I came to be in that place that I, I briefly mentioned in 2013 when I felt pretty broken by life and and the menopause and grief and stuff like that and um and that journey to the start line the trip and and kind of the message that that we shared really so yeah we have a film coming uh, out well, it's out yeah yes yeah, oh, <laughs> so like I haven't yet seen it I think I'm a week's time or something and I can't yeah. wait I'm so yeah. excited because it's a feature yeah. film isn't it yeah, so it's called a featurette, um, which oh, featurette. has a really lovely word. Oh, yes, I like so that. It's 57 minutes long. We have a festival edit of 45. But yeah, it's 57 minutes long. And when the filmmaker Frit told me that's how long it would be, I was like, oh my gosh, how can you make a film about me for 57 minutes? Yeah. It's going to be so boring. Um, but actually, the way that she has edited it and built the story um it is really engaged even though it's my life even i'm quite engaged in it um because it's not it's about me but it's not about me if you see what i mean it's about universal messages i think yeah and so my hope is that particularly women my age will look at it and see themselves that's mm -hmm. the goal but the goal is not for them to go look what she did the goal is to say wow she knows how i feel and maybe I'm encouraged to do something for myself. That's always my goal is to encourage other women to feel that they can do something for themselves. Otherwise, oh. yeah, it's not about me. It's about me, but it's not about yeah, me. Well, well, it's about your experiences and sort of showing that, that you've done this and, and you've got yourself out of a rut and it totally worked for you. So, so maybe it'll inspire other people to do the same. Yeah. yeah, it might be going for a walk. It might be going to join a, an online Pilates class. It might be trying sup yoga it's not necessarily doing what i did it's the message of saying let me put myself on the priority list list let me look after my well-being let me say that my dream however big or small is worth it and that it's okay for me to take time to put energy into my dream i mean mm -hmm. i think they're the key messages really um yeah. as well as also the plastic pollution um yeah. and it's not about saying look, I did it, you can too. It's, this is what I did. What can you do for you, given the mm -hmm. circumstances that you're in? Because we all come at it from different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm incredibly lucky that I had, you know, the wherewithal to to do what I did in terms of the finances and the support. Um, I'm able-bodied. So it's not that I'm suggesting other people can do what I did. I'm suggesting that they might want to think about what they can do. Yeah, and, and I often use this phrase, but it's about finding something that really fuels your soul. Um, and that is unique to you. And I think that's the thing to remember. It doesn't have to be what your best friend's doing. It just needs to be true to you. Um, now, now, during this time, you've obviously learned so much 
about the power of exercise outdoors and what it does for your mind and body. But have you noticed a difference if you haven't been able to get outside? Have you noticed a difference in your mental health in recent years? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I started exercising because I was just incredibly anxious and overwhelmed and desperate to sleep. Um, and so I know that I do the things I do because I'm trying to bank the goodness so that I sleep at night and that my anxiety is kept at bay. Um, and so, yeah, it's like looking after myself today, but also thinking about myself for tomorrow. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I do notice if I can't, like when I injured my knee, you know, it was tough. It was, it wasn't the, yeah, the physical side was tough, but it was, it was just that not being able to do the stuff I wanted. Um, but interesting, it, when I hurt my knee, one of the things I found really helpful by chance was I used to just walk through the sea. So when I went to the coast, I would just literally walk up and down. I think I must have watched some kind of rehabilitation program about horses or something. <laughs> and, um, I thought, well, maybe that might work for me. And, you know, that really helped strengthen my knee. And then um, I've had two frozen shoulders in the last few years. And again, going and, and being in that cold, cold seawater really helps the pain of the frozen shoulders. So, wow. Um, yeah, there's a physical thing, but there's also that mental, mm. just calming down. Yeah, mm -hmm. just calming down, bringing yourself back to the moment and just, um, yeah, just letting all the troubles just literally float away on the water. Mm. Yeah, that's that's one of the, I think wonderful things about paddleboarding is that you know if you're choosing to paddle on flat water on a lovely calm day then it can be very meditative yeah definitely definitely and i think going coast to coast there was times where i literally would look up and think oh my gosh i've just paddled two miles and i didn't know yeah. what i was doing you know, i was very yeah. much in the moment and um a lot of people asked if i you know 162 miles like 11 days that's going to be really on your own, that's quite, you know, what are you going to think about? And actually, I didn't listen to audio books. I didn't listen to the radio. I didn't listen to music. I just listened to the world around me and really absorbed that. And um, and I love that. And I love being out on the sea as well and just listening to the birds, listening to the water. Um, it is meditative. I don't meditate, but I feel that moving on water is like a moving meditation. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Um, now, I know that you've had a similar experience to me in such that you, you know, started to get into paddleboarding, becoming more in tune with your mind, with your body, and then in turn started to become more in tune with our environment. Um, but, I, but I know that you, you studied you know, something related to this at uni, is that right? Uh, so I did anthropology at university and my, yes. dissertation, my dissertation was on the environmental movement from a kind of cultural ideas perspective. Um, so I'd always been in, involved and interested in, in environmental issues. But then again, like many people, you know, children and marriage, divorce, family, all that stuff, looking after my parents, then, you know, you get distracted. But um, the more I was out, back out in nature and develop that relationship. And obviously I saw the plastic that I hadn't seen you know, we didn't worry about plastic 20, 30, 40, 20, 30 years ago. It was, you know, it was rainforests and acid rain. And we didn't think that plastic would be the problem it is. Um, but you can't help it if you're out there and seeing it and you can't walk by. You can't just leave it in the sea or leave it on the beach. 
Um, and so for me, it was about connecting that being kind to myself by moving in nature and saying thank you to nature for being kind to me by doing my litter picks, doing my beach cleans, getting involved with the Two Minute Beach Clean Foundation. So it's a kind of be kind to me, be kind to the oceans. And it's just my way of saying thank you. It's just a very simple way of saying thank you. And on the Coast to Coast Paddle, you were raising money, weren't you, for the Two Minute Beach Clean Foundation and yeah. the and the Wave, Wave Project? Project? Yeah. So the Wave Project is a surf therapy charity that looks after children and young adults and takes them surfing for their mental health. So it just seemed to me like two charities which just um, really work well together. So it's about mental well-being, physical well-being, well-being of the oceans, um, of the sea. But I know how much being by water helps my mental health. Um, and the Wave Project just seemed an amazing charity to, to raise money for, as well as the Two Minute Beach Clean Foundation. Yes, they are both amazing charities to have fundraised for. Um, so do you have any, any big ideas for any more challenges or places that you want to paddle? Um, you know, where, where's your head going with the, with the, next, the next step? Um, well... Um, yeah, I would love to paddleboard in Scotland. Um, so I, I'm quite cautious because of lockdown and things. I don't want to sort of, um, but, um, yeah, I'd like to go up to Scotland and the lakes. Um, there's lots of places I'd like to go to. Yeah. Um, yeah. and maybe next year do a, um, I'd like to do some kind of challenge where it's not just about me, where maybe I meet up with, I, I, do a lot of talks to the Women's Institute, maybe take them paddleboarding, maybe meet them, you know, something where it's um, more of a community effort than just about me, so. Yeah, and this is where this, I guess, idea of ripples comes from, um, wanting to start the podcast. You know, you, you talked about starting off by being kind to yourself and then, you know, being kind to the environment. And now it's about creating a community around you of people who can support each other. Um, and yeah, it just, it does, it just ripples. Yeah, um, I hope so. I hope so. And that's what my talks are about as well. Um, and just, you know, I have a saying for my own podcast, we rise by lifting others. And I think that's really the way that I try and have that with the film and try and have it with the podcasters and have it with my speaking engagements is just being able to say look I know what it feels like when you feel like so rock bottom you can't imagine rising at all um but if you can rise and then lift others then that feels like the greatest gift that you can your way of saying thank you for being able to rise again yourself so and it, and it is so liberating when you find a like-minded community around you and, and you know for me I always thought it was the people I grew up with that had you know a lot of memories with but actually more recently I've discovered that you know I can find people that I totally connect with that I have only just met and it's yeah I think it's important to remember that because sometimes we can get stuck in places in our lives because we feel like this is what we've always done so this is what we always must be but it's but it's not the case and and there are so many little communities out there that will open you know will welcome 
people with open arms um you've just got to have the confidence i guess to step into them yeah oh definitely yeah i mean i'm 56 so there's been sort of different journeys all along the way and certainly for me with my son my youngest son now in second year at university you know life is changing all the time so for me i'm in a very much a different chapter and so you know the paddleboarding the podcast the film everything it's all about having a the next step of the journey the next chapter of my story i mean being a mum and we say this in the film um through tears <laughs> you know being a mum a daughter a sister a friend will always be for me my biggest role you know i do i do believe that i i was there when my mum died and 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 she didn't talk about the stuff she had she talked about the person that she was and wanting to thank the people that had loved her and she had allowed them to she had they had allowed when she died uh, at her funeral she said to me joe will you just thank people for a loving me and b allowing me to love them so she that's all she really wanted her legacy to be about the love that she shared so for me i know that my role as a mum daughter sister friend those roles will always be my most important roles because they're in relation to the people I love and being able to love them and be loved back. But I also know, and I also know that I want to make contributions to the world as well um, because my boys don't need me quite as much so that I can go out and give some of my energy to the environment, to raising money, that sort of thing, um, to speaking and encouraging other women maybe. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's, you know, you've opened, you're open now to opportunities and to experiences and, and the world is your oyster. And so is there anything new that you want to try? You know, I know that you said you want to have a go at getting back into diving, but is there anything new that you can see or any challenges on the horizon? I would love to go back to dive. I mean, I dived in the 80s, um, so I would need to do a lot of refresher courses. Um well, no, I think I've got it. I still know how to dive, but the, the technology will have changed. But, you know, we dived in wetsuits and semi-dries. Now I think everybody dives in dry suits. I'm sure the, the tech, you know, but I think intuitively I understand diving. What I would love to do is to go back and, and pick up litter from the seabed. Um, for me, that would be, yeah. So when I snorkel and have picked up litter, that's, I find that quite a profound thing because I am literally the only person that's seen that piece of litter that day. Um, yeah. And when I paddle boards, I often go to a little beach where it's quite difficult to get to on foot. And so I know that by taking that litter home, I'm really making a very specific difference because somehow that litter was meant for me to, you know, I can make a really big difference. So to dive and pick up litter from the seafloor would be an extraordinary thing. I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, I think I'll always be water, water bound. That's, I mean, I love the hills, don't get me wrong, but um, I think the sea is always the place. The sea, the canals, the rivers, the lakes, the sea is, is I am just more watery. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Um, you know, I, I live by the sea now and I don't think I could ever not live by the sea. The pool is just, yeah, it's strong and, you know, we're made up of so much water. So I think, I think there's something in that. Okay, Joe. Um, so looking back at the ripples you've made in your life, what are the biggest lessons 
you've learned to keeping your mind and body healthy that you can share with the Start a Ripple listeners. It would be that you are important and that you matter and your well-being, uh, particularly for women where they don't put themselves on the priority list, it is important and you are... Um, you're allowed to put yourself on the priority list and to find that joy, you know, find, even if it's just tiny, you can expand it. Um, and however big or small, even if it's just a small goal, then that is worth your time and effort. And, and just to follow that joy. Yeah. Just keep following, find, you know, find the joy, find those moments where you feel yourself again, where you feel wholly yourself and, just keep putting more of that into your life where you can and um snippets here and there and just keep adding it and adding it and seeing where that takes you because you don't know yeah absolutely and and i saw you post something the other day it was something along the lines of having you know a job job and a love job um you know where we have to have a job that pays the bills but you can also have a job that maybe doesn't doesn't pay that much or anything at all but it's still a job that that fuels your soul or it's your hobby or or something that you put a lot of energy into and and that's important too you know your pay the bills job doesn't have to be the one that defines you and I think in society you know a lot of pressure is put onto that um you know you get asked you know what do you do as in you know what do you do to make money and rather than being asked, you know, what do you do to, uh, that gives you joy? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I think, you know, it's okay to put the emphasis on the other thing and, and then just have another job that, you know, gets you by. Um, but yeah, finding that balance is, is key. Yeah. Yeah. And it may become more prevalent in my life or it may not, but, um, but it is that sort of heart work, soul work that, um, but yeah, and I, I'm happy to have a job job, <laughs> as I call yeah. it. And and in a way, that's very good because it gives you a lot of perspective. Um, sometimes, you know, in other stuff, you can get a little bit intense about it. But um, yeah, you can, you can have, your purpose doesn't have to be the thing that pays the bills. Um, and by doing that, in terms of the post I read, wrote today, it's, you take the pressure off those interests. They don't have to be passionate. They can be curiosity. And so you follow your curiosity, you follow your joy and see where it takes you. And it may take you to something that you can monetize or it may not. But if you have a job job, then you're not putting pressure on that joy to pay the bills. And so it remains a joy. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I guess it's about sort of flipping perspective a little bit. Um, so, so I know that one of your big focuses at the moment is your new film, Brave Enough, which is out and you're going to be sort of sharing it at festivals, hopefully in the future. Um, but, but where else can, can people see it? Yeah. So we've got four screenings now and then we'll have a little rest. <laughs> um, and at some point it'll go on download and at some point we might collaborate with other communities and then they can show it. But um, Fritz, the filmmaker, and I just, Fritz Sarita Tam, the filmmaker of Passion Fruit Pictures, we just need to have a little rest. Um, and and we wanted to we wanted to give Brave Enough um, as a film a really good sending off into the world. 
Um, and I think we've done that with the four or we will have done that with the four. I think if we put too much pressure on, then we would not love her as much as we do as a film. So um, we'll see. We can revisit it and, and share it with the world. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we've sold out three events and nobody's seen it, really. <laughs> see what happens when people actually see it. So you've had incredible reviews. Yeah, we've been incredibly, we're very grateful. We've had reviews from paddleboarders, from filmmakers, from journalists, from writers, from people kind of my age group communities and and everybody seems to have found something so i woke up this morning and it was actually a chap who had sent it to for um and um and he said i'm in bits um, yeah it's quite quite sweet really oh that's so sweet um so if anybody wants to follow your personal journey and you know anything else that you're doing where can they find you so instagram and twitter so healthy happy 50 so 50 at the end um also my website joemosley.com so m-o-s-e-l-e-y um and i've got a newsletter called postcards of joy and a podcast the joy of sup podcast so um which i have to say is a wonderful podcast joe interviewed me for it and uh and yeah, I've loved listening to all the other guests. So sweet. It's lovely. And it just means that I can keep looking for joyful stories. You know, literally, yeah. you know, when I'm looking at articles in the newspaper or anything, I just find a story or find a person and then follow that little thing and and then can share. It's all very much just joyful things that I found and, and want to share with others. Yeah. So. yeah, and connecting and reconnecting others. Yeah. I love introducing people. Yeah, you're brilliant at doing that, actually. Um, well, well, thank you, Joe, for coming on the Starter Ripple podcast. I'm so happy that you that you agreed to come on and share your journey because you've been such an ace guest. And Have thank you for coming on my podcast. It's been oh, it's a very, a very popular one. Yeah, I love so it. People love it. People <laughs> loved it. And um, it's always amazing that just you don't know who who listens to things. There'll be somebody yeah. in a year that will listen to it and go, gosh, India just completely open my eyes to something and that's the joy of this we don't know yeah. what they reach yeah yeah exactly you know it stays it stays in the wonderful world of the internet forevermore come on yeah exactly <laughs> thank, you. Um, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the start a ripple podcast if you like what you heard then please do subscribe and write a review it helps other like-minded souls find this podcast and means you'll never miss an episode if you want to get in touch, then the best place to find me is via Instagram. I'm at with underscore India. Or you can find my wellbeing hub at Finn and Flow. Thanks again and speak to you soon.